Why do we make art? What can the performing arts teach us about how to engage in dialogues and overcome conflict and division? Our guests today are actress Catherine Curtin and artistic director Kate Muth. Curtin is known for her roles on Stranger Things, Homeland, and Insecure. She played correctional officer Wanda Bell in Orange is the New Black, and for this role, she was a joint winner of two Screen Actors Guild Awards for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. Muth is the founder and artistic director of the award-winning dance theatre company, The Neo-Political Cowgirls, that seeks to deepen and challenge the ways in which audiences experience stories and awaken their human connection. Based in East Hampton, New York, they have performed to audiences in America and Europe. This episode contains highlights of our full interview, which can be found on the Creative Process, Arts, Culture, and Society. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. If you don't get involved in politics, politics is going to get involved in you. For people to say, oh, I don't get involved in politics, and then there's a shooting on their street, and something happens, you know, with abortion rights, and a woman who had no political involved previously now lives in a state where you can't get a safe abortion because abortion is illegal in her state and carrying that fetus may make her infertile. So that's where we are. So if you don't get involved in politics, then you are not taking care of your own life and the life of those that you love because somebody is going to get involved and they may create a situation that is really disastrous and horrifying for so many people. And you may be one of those people if you don't get involved. And I just want to say, it's often the lobbyists, they're fighting not on behalf of us. You know, they say that being a lobbyist is an exercise of political voice, but oftentimes those lobbyists for fossil fuel industry, they're also greenwashing and they're also being hired by some environmental organizations who might not know, or arts organizations like museums. great that you said that. That's so frightening and also so important to put out there in the world. It's so, so important. And like when number 45 went into office and he emptied out all of the documentation in the EPA, he just like, he was like, empty all those files, get rid of all that research, get rid of all those researchers. I think that's clearly even now the Trumpers are like, oh, the environment was a global warming. You know, we had a global warming problem. Well, we knew that a long time ago. And so one hopes that maybe that is one of the places that AI can improve the human condition because maybe AI and the statistical data and the non-emotional data will convince people when there's a problem and take the emotion out of the issue, because I think that's one of the reasons why issues don't move forward sometimes is that the the emotional impact is too hot. And so, you know, maybe just getting it into statistics or getting it into data or getting it into numbers where people can't really deny the truth of, I mean, one plus one does equal two, you know. What you do as artists who are also advocates, advocates who are also artists, it is important, the emotional messaging, because the numbers make us go numb. And also we don't have PhDs and (laughs) we're not scientists. And so David Fenton, the activist, and you may know he worked on Jane Fonda's campaigns and with Nelson Mandela and all these, he told me we have to make this language simple and use artists, use filmmakers, use actors, because it sounds like so little. This 1.5 degrees of change, he says, we are adding in terms of heat to the environment, 1 million atomic bombs worth of energy every day. 
Okay, so I can picture that. Okay, this is what we're adding. That's why it's getting hotter because there's this blanket and it's not escaping of this heat. So yeah. now that's a story that's true. But now you as artists understand that's something that's more catastrophic sounding than 1.5. Yeah, that's that's stunning. That's really scary and stunning. And uh, yeah, amazing. Death and life is such a mystery that the fact that we are so imperfect and life is so imperfect that so funny. New York is full of like, I don't know, the funniest people. And you would never expect somebody to go, okay, AI, this is the end of humanity. Oh, well, okay. You're a New Yorker and you're telling me that AI is the end of humanity. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's maybe not. I don't know. But I feel like the reason why AI will never completely take over is because we are subversive. Humans are subversive. We are imperfect. We do imperfect things. Art is about imperfection. Life is about imperfection. And one day when we all lie down on our deathbeds, because that is going to happen to us all, none of us are spared except maybe, I don't know, Elon Musk going to get frozen. Who knows? But I mean, for most of us, and I think that there is imperfect life. You know, death is the imperfection of life, right? Because life is just a fleeting thing for everyone for all of us. And so there's no way that a computer, an AI can know death. So the AI can never in that sense, know life. Because every day you walk, you think, you know, I was just on my way to do the Zoom with you guys. I just went to get, grab my bracelet, which was sitting next to my grandmother's picture. And I loved my grandmother. So what is, this is not, AI doesn't touch us because we exist on a level of such mortal frailty and mortal cruelty and mortal love and hate and jealousy and insecurity and freedom and joy and wackiness and being in the moment that I, there's no way that when one of my neurotic fellow conspiracy theory New Yorker friends says to me that AI is the end of the world that I'm like it's just not possible because the world is not that permanent for any of us you know this is an impermanent destination that we're on I, I want just to say global warming will get us all if we don't oh, be careful so even AI is going to burn up in that fire because I had some talks with these technologists and it's scary <laughs> stuff I was just going to add in that, you know, the vibration of a beating heart, of a human voice, of the blood pumping in our bodies is so much grander and embracing and full of story than AI could ever be, or any computer or any technology. We forget, you know, when if we're in the woods, the hum of nature is distinct and it is unique. And even when we try to replicate it, we cannot replicate it in truth. And I mean, this is the thing, if we are so full of hubris and so incurious that we just keep moving past our own natural connection to the planet, that that's a shame. And that's where I think we really inherently miss out is all of us just getting swept up into this technology and forgetting to pay attention to this place we call home. People really have to engage critical thinking and look at more than one source for the story. 
you know, you can't look at just Fox News, even if you love Fox News. I don't care what you love. Where, you know, conversation, right? We don't know how to have conversations anymore or how to be in dialogue anymore. The fact that emotion is such a driving force in so much of this. I remember learning in debate class 101, you don't debate with emotion. You can't debate with emotion. That is not debatable quality to fight with. You can't do that. So, you know, we are just like wildly hot on fire going at each other. Nothing rational is going to come out of that because it's so heated and so on fire. So we can't enter with emotion. And this is, again, goes back to the arts, which is, I firmly believe, puts us into a practice of being in dialogue, in learning how to reflect. What did I just see? How did it make me feel? How do I feel about that? What did that stir in me? How am I changed? after I leave this performance or that gallery. Unfortunately, our education system is not teaching our students actually how to engage with the arts. They teach us how to pass time and get patted on the head and get lip service to the arts. You absolutely should be changed in some way after viewing any kind of art, no matter the genre. And also the development of critical thinking, the powers of critical thinking. Yeah. You constantly live in question. Like I get a news feed from like 10 different news organizations. And I think part of the disenfranchisement of the good name of the Democrat, the disenfranchisement of the good name of the Republican, all of us have been vilified. So we no longer trust each other. And it's from both sides. Mm-hmm. Instead of understanding that we're actually probably a lot more similar than we are different. And, you know, I'm just another human being who believes in education and I'd like to be able to go home at night and walk safely on the streets and to be able to buy food and make a living. Like we all want the same thing, yeah. you know? There's too much distance between person to person. There's too much distance between us. I was listening to one AI robots. They talk through whole conversations telling us who they are now. And this AI robot said that, which was interesting and fun, she would be a better leader than a human because she's able to be impartial. And I thought, and she has all the information and she can make decisions based on logic rather than emotion. And I thought, you know, on some level, that's kind of true, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But obviously I'm not for that actually. But I mean, it was interesting. Oh, I think it definitely is interesting. The only thing is you have to put some kind of instruction because I think the purely logical decision is maybe that we're boiling our planet and that humans have to go. But I think that what, you know, you both have through your years of experience and putting together productions, I think that experience, not just analyzing the art, but if everyone had this, if our political system could more closely resemble as chaotic as it might be, but, you know, a production, you know, whether it's for stage or a play or for screen, because you have the good characters and the villains, but you, at the end of the day, you all come together in the canteen and you do your table readings and, you know, you can have great friendships behind that or even animosity. But at the end of the day, no one wants to see that production fail. And that's that's what is really missing, I think, in the political system where you have these characters just shouting and not wanting to get anything done, sabotaging. And Yes, I love that word for the political system right now, sabotaging. I love that you use that word. I love it. I think that's where we are. 
And it's so crazy because there's a lot of really important stuff that needs to be taken care of right now. I mean, we've got massive immigration problems globally, not just at our borders. Everybody has. And what is fueling that? And what's going to happen when the planet gets even hotter, mass migration of people. And right now it's war and economy, but what happens when it's climate war and economy? So, I mean, it is, we are sabotaging ourselves by not dealing with the facts of where we really are and not engaging in critical thinking. And I do think the arts play a good part in that. And I think you're right. I think we could, we could take a page out of the book of producing a play and watching it and growing with it or a page out of producing any work of art. I think that's a very good analogy. I want mandatory that every young person in 10th, 11th, or 12th grade to be able to first and foremost learn the art of finance. And I want every person on this planet to be financially literate. I think that when you feel that you can close the door at night and you have a roof over your head and you have three meals on the table, and your children have clothes, and you know how financial products work, I think we would not have had the savings and loan, subprime mortgage, all of these. And I think also we need to put more money into education and more money into arts for all. But I think we have to help people to feel that they are not sinking. And one of the ways to do that, I feel very strongly, is through education and finance education, basic home finance. And I'm sorry to be an artist and say, you know, it's not everybody should read Chekhov, although I believe that. But I think, you know, you have to be able to eat in order to feel safe enough to have big ideas, to not feel threatened. And I think we need to take care better across the globe because there are people out there that are preying on people who have no financial education. And it's very hard to think about anything when you're about to be foreclosed upon. And you know? I believe your family comes from that business finance background. I have finance people in my family and they think I can't add or subtract. But one of them, when I bought my apartment, I was very clearly told you get a fixed not a fluid mortgage. My uncle called me. We weren't close. I hadn't heard from him in forever. I get this call. I'm sitting in Union Square Park. Get a fixed mortgage. Get a fixed mortgage. Make sure it's fixed. Do you hear me? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I think that because what happened is he had a daughter who did not get a fixed mortgage. The rates went up. She lost her home. That's what people don't understand. We have to give people enough education that they can keep a roof over their head. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is what we are talking about. And also it goes to political accountability because I feel I don't have that financial education, but if we were better informed, we would be asking where our taxpayer money is going. Why are there these black budgets? You know, what this is our money and what's what are you doing with it? So I think it extends to that. Kate? Yeah. Yeah. I just have to say one more thing. Like, you know, Jeff Bezos pays taxes on $80,000 a year. That's what he declares. He declares $80,000 a year. Yeah. So uh, he's paying taxes on 80 grand a year. He's not living on 80 grand a year. So how does that work? So we need to restructure the tax system. And the fact that you can tell me that your yacht is a tax write-off, but the tools of a plumber 
or the truck of a plumber or the strings of a violinist, if they're not incorporated, those are not a tax write-off. We are in a serious, serious state of inequity, and we need equity in order for all of us to go forward. And we are stronger when we go together. The oligarchy, you know, we, here yeah. we are. We are in an oligarchy. Yeah. So I would just show up as a companion to Kathy's sage advice there of financial uh, surety and having family who look after her, even if she's not heard from them in a while, saying fixed mortgage. I would say just some companion is to read, 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 and never stop reading. And like, I'm talking about like, books, actual books, where you turn the pages, you smell the pages, you underline your favorite bits, you underline the parts you don't understand, you read and read and follow that curiosity and work towards greater compassion. You know, I think that there's enough on this planet for all of us to thrive. That's the truth. I don't understand the oligarchs and their feelings that they can ever actually ever even use this much money, let alone, I mean, they could for good, but I don't understand even holding on to that much money. The, in our more fluid days, when we have a little more money, there's nothing I love more than giving it away. And we don't even own our house. We don't even have a savings account. So, you know, I don't quite understand the lack of fluidity of generosity in people who give to philanthropy. They give to philanthropy in a very measured way so they get tax write-offs. But, you know, that's not the be-all. That's not the end-all. And it's also not what's going to save our planet. So read. No. No, read and read the fine print. Read <laughs> the fine print. That is what every single person can do it. It's really boring. It's annihilatingly like your brain just goes dead. They do that for but a reason. They The fine print is there for a reason. And so don't get caught not knowing the fine print. Because if you know the fine print, you can figure out all sorts of things. And everyone needs to become self-educated in that way so that you can play the game and the game does not plague you. That's very important, you know? And I know this wasn't a totally arts-oriented conversation, but the arts are about protecting the human spirit. And I think as artists, we live difficult lives. There's years where I've made $16,000, like, and I never stopped working. I worked seven days a week, you know? There was one year where I think I did 60 different jobs and I made like less than $68,000. Literally, I did that many jobs. So the arts are difficult, but you have to understand how to take care of yourself. And that is about the fine print and be educated, educate yourself. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate interview producer on this episode was Sam Myers. One Planet Podcast is produced by Mia Funk. Additional production support by Sophie Garnier. Theme music is written and performed by Juan Sanchez. We hope you've enjoyed this program. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast and be part of the climate change solution, just drop us a line at team at oneplanetpodcast.org. Thank you for listening.